Camp Podcast. This is a show dedicated to the pursuit and promotion of upland birds, specifically the rough grouse. So if you like sitting around a campfire with your favorite bird dog and two brothers from Michigan who love talking about upland hunting, this podcast is for you. So let's put another log on the fire and start the show. This is Bird Camp. Welcome to episode three of Bird Camp Podcast on September 8, 2020. Today's episode, we have Brent Pike from Pike Outfitters, uh, Pike Gear. We have Tom Ball from Wilderness Treasures in Pickford, Michigan. And we have Ann Jandernoa, uh, dual subject on Ann. Today, we have Scout and Hunt Mapping and Northwood Kennels, her uh, kennel for bird dogs. Welcome to episode number three of Bird Camp. So, Kevin, what have you been up to? You getting ready for hunt? We have one more week before season opens, small game grouse season. Yeah, the rough-tail grouse season obviously opens the 15th. We've already made our plans, and our planning for the bigger trips are well underway. I actually spent some time this weekend uh, just getting ready. And I, I uh, bear, put the Finland bear grease on the boots, and uh, I'm going to do more to the boots. Did you have to wrestle a bear to get that grease? Yeah, I did, and uh, uh, he tagged out to Bigfoot, and I took Bigfoot. Was, was it too. a polar bear? It was, it was a grizzly bear. A grizzly <laughs> But I got him on the ground. He tagged out to Bigfoot, and I took Bigfoot down for the third time, so I'm undefeated. But no, I, I put the Finland bird, bear grease on the boots. I'm going to continue to work on waterproofing those. They took a beating in a swamp late last year, and uh, trying to, you know, as boots get older, they get more comfortable, so I don't want to give them up until they're dead. I also uh, repacked everything. I used to carry the big red box. Big, big red box. Big red box has seen its day. I don't know. You retired in the big red box? I actually had for a work, somebody used to do was work, it was a plastic rolling box with many compartments, so I'm going to a lighter, better box. Uh, carry that and duffel bag. So I went through that, checked and made sure that I had shells. I did not. So, uh, you know, being that oddball 16 gauge hunter, I'm going to have to go scout some shells down. I tried on all my gear. I was happy to know the pants still fit. Nice job. Kind of. And uh, so I'm uh, going through that and the socks and just do, you know, it starts getting cool out at night in the morning. So you start just your preparation. Because come the morning of the 14th, when we head up to set up, I, I don't want to spend time thinking, but I want everything ready to go. John, the I'll truck. start packing around the 14th. 13th, 14th, 14th. <laughs> As usual. I'll get the RV ready prior to that. You know, the funny thing is, is I spend all the time getting everything ready, and you throw things together, and you're always waiting on me. Even though I'm supposed to be completely organized, it's like... Yeah, you and Philson. Yeah, you, Phil and Philson, that's true. So uh, that, that's kind of what I'm doing to prepare. You know, I want to double check my licenses, which I bought early in the year with my fishing license. So I'm just getting everything. I don't have a checklist, but I'm just going through every single thing and making sure I'm ready to go. Yeah, 
I did get my license and uh, I'd said I was gonna go goose hunting and uh, then I got called into that stupid work thing and I couldn't go opening day. Then I went out, well you were over at my house, was that Sunday? Saturday. Saturday and it was getting dark and the geese were way off in the distance and uh, it doesn't matter. Um, you know what? What you just said brought up a weird query, which might be just queer. Um, I want to ask one of these DNR guys if we get another DNR biologist or just a DNR officer. And I'm sure some of our Covey listeners are going to be making fun of me on this one, but everything's electronic now. Like, I have all my license on my phone. The only thing I got in paper was a duck stamp because I requested it because I like to have it. Do you get a paper duck stamp, um, federal duck stamp mail, do you? I got mine. I... Well, you just got your license, right? Well, I got them earlier in the year, and I don't... That's one thing I want to check. I don't know. You know, because as far as a duck hunter, if grouse is slow, I will go after duck. Right. So... And we're not ashamed to talk about other types of birds, like ducks, geese. Not at all. Um... Maybe not quail. Just kidding. No, no, quail's a, kind of a southern Michigan thing. But my, but my question is, let's say we uh, get spot checked by a DNR officer. And your phone's dead? My phone's dead, or, or I, love, I guess I have to have my phone. I wonder if they, we need or to... Or can we, they look that up on some kind of database? Because I, I know there's, I just read to you before we did the show about the congressman, state congressman, who was trying to put through for Michigan registration. And the stickers on the plates, it's all going online oh, for, for, for for police officers and what have you. Is that DNR already there? I guess we're going to have to get the DNR back on. That's because, a because, good question. You know, it's an interesting question because if you look behind me in the studio into my office, I used to keep all of my stamps. Yeah, it's same back there. And I have like three picture frames over the last 30 years filled up with them with some little grouse pictures and whatnot in it. Um, but... You know, that's kind of a drawback for me. If we do not uh, get the paper license anymore, my project, lifelong project, ended, which is fine. But I, uh, it, it's it's a good thing. I think that's a beautiful right. question. I tell you what, that'll be my homework, and I'll research that. There you go. And I'll let the listeners know, who probably already know, and you're going to make a fool of me, but feel, be, feel free to give me some feedback, and I'll come meet you at your house. <laughs> no. No, not anymore. Have you bought any clothes? I usually make one purchase a year. How about you? It, it, not clothes, just gear in general. Um, I'm thinking I can save the boots for another year or two. Uh, no, I haven't bought any. Uh, some of our guests we've had on and will have on have my interest of Bark River knives. Like I need another knife. I've probably got 12 to 20. But I just, I, I haven't bought anything yet. I know my vest is getting a little worn. Uh, I don't know. You're talking about your orange vest? Yeah, or? my upland vest. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't really, I know I don't need gloves or socks, so I'm, um, I mean, today we're going to be talking to Brent Pike, who has my interest for clothing, too. But the thing is, if you buy one thing every year like I have, I've got a pretty good coverage of all weather gear for all types of weather, and my gear is good. Now, I, I forgot to mention, I did get a new gun this year. So oh, we'll talk about that some other episode. Yeah, it's another episode. It's, it was the quasi-dream gun of a lifetime. And uh, we'll talk about that on a gun episode for sure. All right, and we'll segue into uh, our first guest that we interviewed. Actually, Kevin interviewed. Uh, his name is Brent Pike of Pike Outfitters. He spells his um, company's name 
P-Y-K-E Outfitters. Is that correct, Kevin? That's correct. And uh, we'll go ahead and segue into that. Did you want to say anything else about that, Kevin, before we uh It was talk a very interesting it? interview. Uh, I guess what I would say as a prelogue to that would be his, his view of clothing in upland hunting was, to me, correct. I, I think when I started hunting, and even, you know, as you're building your wealth and going through life, the wool and cotton can be a real issue if you're a real upland hunter. And he's, he had a unique path to where uh, Brent got with pike gear or outfitters. And I, I think it's a very interesting topic. All right. This is a good time. We'll uh, start the interview with Brent Pike of Pike Outfitters. We're with uh, Brent Pike. Is that correct, Brent? Brent Pike? Yes, it is. Yes, with, it is, Brent Pike. With uh, Pike Gear. And uh, welcome to Bird Camp. Brent, we call our listeners the Covey, which if you're a bird hunter, you'll know what that means. And we want to welcome, welcome you to the Covey today and uh, make sure that uh, we uh, get some updates on gear. And Pike Gear is uh, a company out of Brent. We're out of Grand Haven, Michigan. We uh, make we design all of our stuff in Michigan. We make all of our stuff in Michigan. Uh, at this point, we're, we've got a few things that we're working on that may uh, drag us out of Michigan a little bit. But my uh, marketing right now is all made in Michigan. Well, I got to tell you, Brent, I, my brother and I have both tried to leave Michigan multiple times. We keep coming back. So we we love <laughs> ha- place, isn't it? we love having you in the Great Lake State. Great Lake State. So, uh, what got you started in bird hunting? Oh, you know, I, I grew up hunting, you know, quote-unquote as a kid. You know, my, my dad did a little bit of hunting, and, you know, we had a golden retriever as a kid, and we did a little bit of duck hunting and a little bit of bird hunting, and, and uh, you know, that kind of lit the fire, you know, went out to college and did a lot of skiing and, and backpacking and camping and things like that, and so I've always enjoyed the outdoors, and then, you know, once I got uh, out of college and started working in the, you know, the, the corporate world, I was invited on a couple actual pheasant hunts with, uh, you know, to, to do like the, the game preserve stuff. And, and, you know, that was the first time I ever got to see pointing dogs work and it just kind of lit a fire in me back in, you know, early 2000s. And, and just, you know, I was just one of those people that just got bit by the bug and jumped in both feet and haven't looked back. Awesome. Awesome. That, that's really great. Now our audience is going to want to know, the Covey's going to want to know what kind of a uh, bird dog do you have? Right now, I've got uh, two English pointers and an English setter, and I've got another English pointer puppy. I'm actually uh, flying over to Wisconsin on Thursday to pick up. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are really into dogs, obviously, and bird hunting. And uh, what's your favorite bird to hunt? Are you a grouse hunter or pheasant hunter or woodcock hunter? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've cut my teeth on grouse. I, I love grouse hunting, especially when, you know, when numbers are good. It's, it's you know, it's really hard to beat. I, I, you know, last few years I've really got into Bob White quail hunting. I've uh, met a gentleman out in Oklahoma and uh, started leasing some land out there with some other buddies about four years ago and, and really, really enjoy, you know, chasing Bob Whites. But it's, 
it's almost like two different sports, to be quite honest with you, because I, I don't really, you know, start quail hunting until December, which is typically when grouse season is over with. So it, it's, it's pretty, uh, it, it's kind of like two different things for me, you know, as much as I, I, I would never leave grouse hunting to go do much of anything else, to be honest with you. I've, I've done that a few times where I've left Michigan in October, November to go chase pheasants, and I've kind of, you know, the last five, six years, I've just said, you know, I'm, I'm not leaving Michigan and in October, November, to, to do anything. I, I went to the, to the Rough Grouse Society National Hunt last year in, in Minnesota, but that was Chase Grouse, too, so I, I don't really consider that leaving. Great, great. What led you to gear? Gear is a constant conversation in the bird camps I've been to and the people we hunt with. Uh, how did you fall into the gear for the Upland Hunter? Well, working all through college and even after college, I worked in uh, e-shops and, and backpacking and hiking shops. So, you know, I got really familiar with a lot of the, the, the technical fabrics out there. And, you know, backpackers are always notorious for, you know, hey, they're, you know, they're cutting tags on a shirt to, to drop a, you know, a thousandth of an ounce or whatever it is to, 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 to cut weight down. So, I mean, I was always really, you know, into like lightweight materials and, and quick drying and all that other stuff. And when I got into bird hunting, I, uh, you know, bought in on all the, the wax cotton, heavy canvas stuff that it's durable and it's tough. And I started wearing this stuff and I'm like, oh my God, this, this stuff is just, you know, I mean, it, I guess it, it works, but it, it's hot, it doesn't stretch. You know, you walk over a log and it's grabbing at you. I mean, it feels, you know, you're literally working twice as hard as you have to by the, the gear you're wearing. I mean, you know, I mean, a lot of people, you know, they'll say, oh, you don't need all that fancy stuff to go hunting. And, and you're right, you don't. But I'm always looking to have, you know, the most comfortable experience I possibly can. I don't need to have leather seats in my pickup truck, but I do because I like them. And, you know, I mean, if, you know, if, if you can't afford to, to do that stuff, that's, that's fine. You know, I, I don't want anybody to stop hunting because they can't afford to, to, to buy, you know, the gear that's out there. There's stuff you can buy for 30 bucks, you know, and but, you know, to, to get the good, high-quality stuff that I was looking to, to, to use, you know, we really had to, to, to search far and wide to find, you know, the best materials that we possibly can that were, you know, strong, lightweight, durable, you know, breathable, uh, water-repellent, et cetera. I mean, you, you finding all that stuff in fabric and getting it to work is, is really difficult, and unfortunately, it's really expensive. And what, what products are you focusing now? Pants? Vests? Pants, vests, uh, shirt. Uh, we've got a, a pullover, like, uh, shell jacket we've got that we'll be launching actually later this week. Um, we've got a, a vest, like a, a waterproof, breathable, like, soft shell type vest that we'll be launching hopefully later this fall. Uh, we've got another pair of pants that we'll be launching here later this week that's, like, a wet weather pants. Um, we've got another really briar uh, pants. We've got a lot of guys that, you know, hunt, you know, Blackberry cane and multi-floor rows and, and stuff like that that really were begging for some really heavy-duty pants. We've got some really killer uh, heavy-duty, yet still pretty lightweight, water-resistant, you know, briar pants that will be launching probably mid to late October. And we've got gloves coming out next year. We've got some, some uh, new uh, socks that are designed for upland bird hunters that actually treated with uh, a no-fly zone, so it's a pedocrin treatment to keep ticks from crawling up your legs to hopefully, uh, you know, fend off Lyme disease and things like that. You know, we're just trying to add every possible technical type material item that, that a bird hunter could possibly need. And, you know, we're going to hopefully offer it all to people here in the next, you know, 
12 to 18 months and just keep adding cool new stuff as, as, as uh, you know, the technology advances. Yeah, I got to tell you, Brent, I grew up uh, starting sharp tail hunting and a little bit of rough grouse as a teenager in the Upper Peninsula. Um, obviously, the east end, if you're a grouse hunter, where the sharp tail is. And yep. uh, back then, it was all hand-me-down. None of us were very wealthy. Uh, in fact, a friend of mine said at a reunion, we were all poor. We just never knew we were because nobody told us. A lot, of, a, lot, a lot of our clothing to go out in the fall was... Um, what we used to call CPO coats, flannel coats, and uh, yeah. uh, you know, flannel this, and I, I got to tell you, it, it was a miserable experience not having the lightweight, the waterproof, and plus when you're when you go and chase rough grouse, you're going through the brambles, and it would grab every thorn and every stick tight out there. So it's very, very curious to me that you're taking gear from another industry and bringing it into our passion and getting us waterproof, lightweight, and hopefully durable too, correct? Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing is, you know, I mean, and, you know, the, the tough thing is, is a lot of that stuff that's out there is not really meant for, for what we're doing, you know. So I've had to really, you know, dig deep into some of these companies, into, into what they're making and actually have them, you know, custom make some different things for us. Uh, that you know they, they normally didn't do it. They're like, well, why do you want to do that? I'm like, well, I, I need it to be more durable than what you're doing, so I need a little bit heavier yard and you know some of that type of stuff to, to really be able to, to to build it out there. You know, I mean, some of these ultra like backpacking jackets. I mean, literally they weigh you know a couple ounces once you pack them down, and you know they would get torn to shreds in the woods. But you know that same material, if you make it a little bit thicker with you know a little bit more durable yard, I mean it's it, interesting business plan it really is and i think could be very successful for you when you look at it you can't be a jack of all trades to everybody because we look at our grouse season in michigan we can go from 85 degrees opening day 
you get into the December hunt and you're in six inches of snow. So, you know, the specific. Correct. Right. And, you know, when you sit around our bird camp and you look, we got guys who go blue jeans and an orange shirt all the way up to people wearing the highest quality clothes. And it's kind of a shotgun approach, honestly, that everybody has a different opinion. But, boy, if you brought out, like you're doing, Brent, if you have lightweight, durable, it, that's what we desire. And you got to think about this. We fight for a pound on a gun, especially rough grouse hunters right. because of the miles. But are we giving away those three pounds to clothing that we don't need? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So you are. I mean, we we I don't think we did a video on Facebook a few weeks ago where I took an, an old traditional pair of pants and an old traditional shirt and threw them in a scale and then threw our pants and shirt in a scale. So our our, our Kiowa pant Kiowa shirt on average uh, weigh about a pound and three quarters together. So the, the pants are you know anywhere from you know fourteen to seventeen ounces depending on the size. And the shirt ranges between 10 and 13 ounces, basically. And, you know, so you're looking at a pound and three quarters for our pant shirt. And you, you look at the old style pant shirts, and I, I can't remember the exact numbers on it, but it was almost two pounds difference in, in weight that you you could do in, in clothes. And now what really makes a difference is, is you know, on, on a on a 50-degree October day where there's no dew on the ground and, it, 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 you know, crisp, sunny day, it really probably doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Where it does make a big difference though is when you get into some of that wet weather and that old cotton canvas stuff sucks up moisture and it does not let it go. And what ends up happening is you've got wet clothes. By the end of the day, those clothes weigh twice as much as what our clothes do. I mean, our clothes, because they're, they're synthetic, they just don't absorb moisture. And, you know, when you get in the truck to go to your next spot, I mean, a lot of times, the, the clothes are literally dry by the time the next, you're at the next stop. So oh, it's excellent. amazing what, you know, being, you know, so you're, you're looking at, you know, two pounds for that. And then, you know, how many pounds are you looking for the added moisture that you're carrying around throughout the day? Well, yeah. And where I, where I find it is, be it sharp tail or rough, you get out to that sixth or eighth mile and a pound's a huge difference. A huge difference. It's and a if, huge difference. And because you're, well, you're the, fighting the, for... The US, the U.S. Army did a study on on weight and they they computed that one pound of weight on your body was five pounds of weight on your feet say that again one pound of body on your weight is like five extra pounds of weight on your feet well that explains a lot that, that's good information i uh, yeah as, as, we're, that, you know, as we're both sitting here i'm just going to tell my brother who's the engineer and co-host he's got to carry all my stuff because i'm older so i'm going to lose my weight <laughs> that way <laughs> Well, Brent, it's been great. You're a great guest. We appreciate you coming into the Covey. I have the most important thing for you is how do how how does our audience find you for this excellent gear? Oh, go to our website www.pikegear.com, and so we have a little play on name. So it's p y k e gear.com. So my last name is Pike, P I K, like the fish, and I didn't really want people. I didn't want people to think of us as a fishing company. That, that was <laughs> so smart. We it yeah. P y k e gear.com so that's the best way to find us you know we're on on instagram and facebook as well um we do actually for some of your 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 listeners i know a lot of new listeners are really digging the podcast because there's just so much information that they can get on there we actually have a, a new pdf that we're uh launching on our website where if you go there just sign up for our email you'll get uh a mapping your way to upland birds which is a, a pdf file that i worked on with in coordination with onyx hunt 
uh, to help people, you know, use some of the latest software and, you know, just kind of tips on out-of-state trips and things like that. It's really a pretty informative thing, and all, all you're going to do is sign up for our web, our email, and you'll, and you'll get the, the uh, PDF for free. All right, and you're not in a storefront. Everything's on Facebook and the website, correct? It is, it is. Unfortunately, with, with being made in the USA, um, it's, it's expensive to make this stuff. I mean, it's like you know, I said earlier, you know, we use the, the most premium fabrics you can buy. I mean, you know, the, we, we probably got more money in, in fabric uh, in our clothes than, than a lot of companies have in, in fabric and production in their clothes to begin with. And then, you know, you have it built in the United States, and, and it just adds another layer of cost to it. And uh, the only way to be able to keep that, that price in, in, in line with, with what, you know, consumers are willing to pay is to be able to do a direct consumer on stuff. So well, that's but, uh, we got an easy return policy and, you know, our stuff fits really well for, for the average guy. That's kind of, we didn't build this, you know, super athletic fit stuff for, you know, guys that are, you know, six foot, 380 pounds. You know, we built it, you know, stuff that'll fit those guys. We've also got stuff that'll fit, you know, guys that are, Six foot two, two thirty as well. So uh, that'd be my brother. I'm a little bit larger than that. We'll just say. <laughs> but, well, I mean, we've got you know we we, run, we go from size thirty to forty four in our in our pants, small to triple extra large in our shirts. So. Oh, there you go, there you go. I'll be on the lookout. So, well, it's been a great uh, experience with you, and we'd like to keep your information and. You uh, did a great job getting the information out there to the listeners to find out where they can find the gear. You know, as we're talking, I'm obviously looking at your Facebook site, and the gear looks wonderful and awesome. So we appreciate you giving us a little leg up, so to speak, giving us an early hunt on the gear and uh, how we can improve our gear and get to a lighter, more comfortable um, option. So appreciate you coming in, Brent. Brent Pike from Pike Gear. And uh, hopefully we can talk to you again. Sounds good. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Brent. Have a great day. Take care. You too. All right. Thanks, Kevin. That was a great interview. Brent Pike, Pike Outfitters. What do you think about uh, Brent Pike, Pike Outfitters? He's pretty uh, enthusiastic about his business and his gear. I, I think Brent's going to do well. The gear is top-notch. The advantage we have in studio here as we're talking to these guests, we're looking at the websites and Facebook pages. Uh, I, I think there's a big need for this to modernize. The, you know, clothing's come a long way in the last 500 years, 200 years, 100 years. But up and hunting kind of got stuck into the wool coats and everything that we don't really wear now. Yeah. But there's a lot of better options out there, and I think he opened my eyes up. So I thought it was great information. Plus, he's a Michigan-based company, and uh, everything he makes is in the United States for the most part. Um from what he said, so a right. great, great American company. Great American company, which shows hunters love. Our, our next guest is uh, Tom Ball. Tom is the uh, what's well, in the intro talking to him, but he owns Wilderness Treasures right in Pickford, Michigan, which is the epicenter of sharptail hunting and a great uh, rough grouse hunting area. And Wait, we can't go to Pickford, isn't that in Canada? No, no, it's very <laughs> close. It's where we grew up. It's. Uh, I think Tom says it's. Tough. I blinked when we drove by there, so I missed it. I think. Yeah, yeah. You blinked the whole time you were growing up for like twelve years. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I'm just saying, last time. That's a long blink. That may be called a coma. Just saying. Um, and Tom is also the township supervisor in Pickford Township. Uh, Tom has a lot of great information. You'll 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 kind of get into this interview. Uh, we go back a long ways, obviously, and Tom Tom pokes at me, and I'll just say say uh, probably poked at both of us. He. 
said, you guys below the bridge. Well, that, that's what they call us, or trolls, when you desert the UP. Uh, the joke I didn't make with Tom was, you know, the reason I left the UP when I at 17, 18 years old was I didn't, I didn't fish and I didn't deer hunt. I was a bird hunter. Well, maybe that's why they kicked me out. That's a good joke. But yeah, here no, it's Tom. No, it's not a good joke. I'm sorry. All right, here's Kevin interviewing Tom Ball. We're with uh, Tom Ball from Pickford, Michigan, an uh, old, old friend of mine. Not quite as old as I am. Close, though, right, Tom? Almost. <laughs> Almost. Better. You're better looking, too. I'll give you that. But, well, with age, Tom, with age comes better looking. Yeah, yeah. You, you're like a fine wine, my friend. You, you develop over time. Tom right. is the proprietor of Wilderness Treasures in Pickford, Michigan, on the corner of M129 and Main Street. That's correct, right? That is correct. Yeah, you didn't rename the street? Nope. Nope, I haven't Tom, renamed the street yet. To, to Tom, Tom, Tom Ball Drive? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i, I got to brag on uh, Wilderness Treasures. It's a wonderful store that appeals to a lot of different people. Uh, we, as hunters, have been bailed out by Tom twice. Once, when we ran out of ammunition on a legendary hunt many years ago, and last year when Against all my advice to my hunting buddies, I dragged him through a cedar swamp up on the ridge and and had to buy some socks, and there was Tom in the store, and it was a wonderful experience. So, uh, I remember that well. You, you remember it well? Probably because we stunk so bad from the swamp. It was it about <laughs> ruined my boots, to be honest with you. So we're what are you going to about the store, and then we'll get into some bird hunting, and then uh, talk about the community at large. Okay. Well, what is treasures uh, is uh, – of course, my wife's baby, of course. And, um, you know, we try to cater to everything that comes in Eastern UP. Uh, we're right central, right in the middle of everything here in the Eastern UP. So we got to carry a little bit of everything. Uh, we have ammunition for bird hunting, deer hunting, uh, any kind of shooting sports you want. Um, and we carry uh, the basic scents, uh, uh, gloves, hats, um uh, blinds, things like that, um, anything that you're going to need, uh, we usually have access to. And if I don't have it, I can get it really quick for you, or I can, I can send you somewhere um, in the area, because we like to keep stuff local up here, um, to find what you need. Um, we also just opened up, I don't know if you were here, but we opened up a coffee shop right in the middle of the store. So if you go out hunting and you, you strike out, uh, you can always stop in and get a sandwich and uh, uh, latte or cappuccino for your fancy lads from downstate. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Don't accuse me of being a troll. That, that's not nice. <laughs> you knew I grew up there, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I yeah, got the I got the dig, brother. I I got your dig. <laughs> <laughs> we try to carry a little bit of everything. Uh, that's how you got to survive up here in the UP. Yeah, and that, that's wonderful, and it's a wonderful place. Uh, you're sitting right there in the epicenter. Uh, how has COVID affected the uh, the um, business? I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought, Tom. How, how has COVID affected the business environment? Has it had a negative impact? Um, actually, you know, it, it's been our best year ever. Uh, we were lucky enough when the COVID hit that uh, the DNR was telling everybody, we want you to go out fishing. Uh, we want you to get outside, you know, keep away from people. Uh, so with our coffee shop, we were able to stay open 
And in the same terms, we kept the, the fishing and tackle and hunting side open also so people could get their minnows and their fishing tackle. And everybody up here ice fishes, you know that. So mm-hmm. um, it really was a boom for us. And then once uh, Memorial Day hit and everybody said, hey, let's head somewhere where COVID isn't, um, where can we go? And uh, north is the way to go. And you know us, we're only 20 miles south of the Canadian border. So um, it's been a great summer. There's been people in the store from every state and union. Uh, they enjoyed up here. It's so friendly, so laid back. And hopefully they'll remember that, you know, after this is all passed and, uh, you know, continue to come up here. Excellent, excellent. It, it's just, you know, a lot of the businesses aren't around. We, you know, not talking about yours in particular, but you're a thriving store meeting many different audiences. And uh, we're just glad you're there. Like I said, you bailed me out at least a couple times I can remember. So it's great that you're there. Uh, at some point in time, we'd like, probably like, to, we were going to do this for this interview, but we'd like to come up and set up in the coffee shop at some point in time when we're up hunting and maybe in October for shark tail season. And, Maybe do a remote. Is that something you'd consider in the store? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. We actually have wi Yeah, it does. So, <laughs> yeah. well, you know, we, all the remote living up here and stuff has just taken a flop because probably 70% of the people don't even have Wi Fi or have access to it. So, um, you know, you have to come right, in, right downtown and you get good Wi Fi. Oh, excellent. Good to know. I, I know we've used it around your store before, but not trying to pimp out your Wi-Fi by any means. Uh, what about birds? How, how are the birds looking? Have you seen a lot of grouse around this summer? Um, You know, it's always been weird. Uh, we had such a hard winter last year and such a long winter that you'd think it would be detrimental to the birds. Um, you know, besides having wolves and cougars and bears and every other kind of predator you, you can imagine, uh, the bird population is really thriving up here. Our turkeys are um, expanding. Um, there seems to be a lot of grouse around. Sharp tail never dies off. That, uh, that's always a big thing up here. Um, right, right. Yeah, that's I, where I, I started out. Yeah, maybe yep. you did too. We started walking the fields in, in high school yep. and junior high, right? Yeah, and we didn't really know what they were. We just thought they were kind of grouse at first. And it's like, boy, they look, they look close, but not the same. And, you know, you looked it up and it's like, wow, those are sharp tail. Yeah, I remember everybody used to call them pats, and uh, they're not a partridge at all. They're a grouse. And, no. And, no. And so, you know, properly, we should call them sharp tails, or we call them sharpies. But uh, when we get up there to sharp tail hunt, we'll probably uh, give you a holler and talk to you again. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as you're also the township supervisor for Pickford Township, is that correct? That's correct. Uh, what does Pickford have to offer uh, outside of your store? What's Pickford have to offer uh, the hunters traveling through? Uh, Pickford's a, a pretty unique spot. Like I said, we're right dead in the middle of the Eastern UP. Um, as you're traveling up I-75, um, you just have to get off. It's about 15 miles east of I-75, um, right in the heart of the farmland, uh, which, of course, is why the sharp tails are, are so big around here. Um, but Pickford offers deer hunters. Uh, we have a feed mill here that's probably second to none. Um, you can get all your baits and things like that in our feed mill. Um, you have us uh, with ammo and things you need there. Um, we have several good restaurants. Um, we actually have a, a township park that I think if the hunters thought about it, where can we stay um, that isn't like on the bay or far away, um, we do have our park that has a bathhouse. Um, 
and showers and utilities and things like that. Um, uh, a lot of us uh, camp. A lot of us use campers when we hunt. Uh, Matt, my brother, that you know, and I've done that many, many times. Again, yep. this year. Uh, so you have camper hookups there in Pickford on at the park. Yep. Yep. We have a dump station. Uh, we have. Uh, we don't have water hookup, but the water is right there. Um, we have electric hookups. Um, like I said, we have the bathhouse. Uh, you know, you don't have to use much water because that's there. Um, we have a huge pavilion that you can use if you just want to get out of the camper if it's raining out or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's like it's a big indoor pavilion where we have a hockey rink in the winter. So there's there's quite a few what, what have What have you there. people done to spoil those kids, Tom? We used to play hockey right between your house and our house on the river. Yep. yep. And you build them a site to play hockey in? Uh, yes. It's, uh, it's a huge, <laughs> I'm not joking with you. We used to flood the river and string the light. <laughs> yep. Yep, or play in the backyards or whatever we had to do. Yeah, yeah it's, real, it's a really neat facility, and it's, it's off, you know, either way a little bit. So you can have a campfire and sit around and laugh and, and you know, listen to music Excellent. and not have to worry about and, uh, other people. How many camper hookups do you have there, or camper spots, I should say? you got 10 plus? Uh, I think there's 17. Oh, 17. 17. Excellent. Spots. Yep. I'm sure a lot of people want to know about that. You covered where you are in the epicenter of the Eastern UP. For sharptail hunting, you are right in the epicenter. You almost have to drive by Wilderness Treasures to go sharptail hunting. So I hope our listeners out there will remember that, stop in for your needs, and uh, visit with Tom and, and the family. I mean, yeah. who else works in the store? I know your mom does occasionally. Um, yeah, my mom does, uh, helps us out. Currently, uh, my wife does. And uh, we have another local girl that uh, works with us. Um, everyone's friendly. Everyone will will send you down the right road no matter what you know people always call about fishing reports and things like that and i never lie because i don't want someone to come up here um you know you said the fishing was great and it stinks um so you know we'll, we'll tell you the thing about sharp tail hunting is a lot of it is done on private land so i can uh you know i know all the farmers you hate with them when we were growing up i hate with them for years so you know, I can I can at least give you some names of some farmers that you might be able to go and talk to, and they'll let you you know hunt their land as long as they're respectful. Um, so yeah, I can, yeah. I can set you where you need to go, what you need to do. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And uh, you're, you've always been very generous. I don't understand because I picked on you so bad when you were little that I, I don't <laughs> even know why you talk to me anymore, Tom. To be honest with you, yeah, you're, you're always that big goony kid, you know. And, I was, I was the goon, wasn't I? <laughs> Tom, we're going to definitely see you in October. Thanks for speaking as the supervisor of Pickford Township with a campsites available. And those campsites aren't in town. They're kind of on the edge, so there's some remoteness to it. Yep. And as our uh, podcast main bird camp, we always look forward to the fire at night, and you can do that. And uh, yep. don't ever forget Wilderness Treasures, ammo, gear, most importantly, last year's socks. Thank God, Tom. Appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, any, anything else you want to tell us? Um, populations are up. So uh, you have to come up this way, whether it's uh, grouse, uh, sharp tail, ducks, geese. I know our early season for goose was a big success. A lot of people with oh, a lot of geese. Yeah. Yep. So uh, birds are flying. There's a lot of green in the fields. Uh, you know, a lot of reason for the, the birds to be around. So. Make it up this way, stop in, and I'll send you where you need to go. I appreciate that, Tom. Thanks for coming on. 
Next on Bird Camp, we'll be talking to Ann Jandernoa uh, from Scout and Hunt and from Northwind Kennels. We would like to reach out, as we promised many times on this podcast, uh, this came from a listener, Chuck in Wisconsin. Thanks, Chuck. Chuck uh, gave us the lead on this and also gave us a lead on... He wants to talk more about boots and... Uh... Thanks, Chuck. This is Matt. We're going to uh, reach out. We've already reached out to a couple boot manufacturers. Uh, we got some positive feedback. We're going to be setting up an interview for our next podcast, number four. We hope for an interview on boot care as well as uh, different boot manufacturers in the Midwest. Um, we hope to have that coming for you. We do appreciate the feedback, and we're listening or we're looking forward to uh, any more feedback from our current covey as uh, topics that we can cover. Yes, we, we really like that. We, we just want to show everybody we are listening to the feedback. Uh, those are through the show. You'll hear about the Facebook page and web page. Please give us feedback and topics, especially topics you'd like to hear or individuals or companies you'd like us to talk to. So we're going to move into Ann Jandernoa, well-known in grouse hunting in northern Michigan, especially the UP across Wisconsin uh, with Scout and Hunt Northwind Kennels. and. Uh, We'll welcome Ann to the Covey, and here she comes. Uh, Ann, welcome to uh, Bird Camp, a podcast about uh, upland hunting in Michigan. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time today to be a guest. We we have two different things we'd like to talk to you. First, about uh, your dog dog raising and dog training, obviously, but also the scout and hunt is of high interest to us as lifelong grouse hunters. So I always like to start out and figure out uh, and ask our guest, uh, how did you get involved in upland hunting? Um, thank you for first off having me on. I really appreciate it. And the answer of upland hunting is uh, basically it was my mom. Um, I started out with, I know this isn't a relative in a way, but we did a lot of squirrel hunting in Lord, Michigan, in Berrien County, Michigan. Uh, from there, uh, we had a place up in the Ward Hills near there. And some of the first hunting I was doing was squirrel hunting. And then, of course, I ran across these birds that blew up at me. <laughs> and it's, I was like 13 years old. And from there on, I was fascinated by them. Uh, went on to Michigan Tech University for forestry and spent a lot of time road hunting, walking the trails and everything just by myself. Uh, did not have a dog. And then the long story short of the last part, which ties into the maps was um, I when I was running logging uh, crews out of Wakefield, Michigan, and I was in charge of a district, which was called the Iron River District. I would have hunters uh, pull me over and say, "Hey, hey, do you know where they see it was a company truck?" And it's, you know, where's these clear cuts? And of course, they're all dressed up in orange <laughs> to go hunting. And so I'd be out, you know, looking at their maps on the hood and and basically drawing all this stuff in and then I'd go back and I'd you know I just this the being outdoors being in a hunting family being in forestry all of it went together I guess that's the best way to say it excellent excellent and uh the mapping part is interesting uh everybody in our hunt group which you know, seven eight nine people total or rarely all together but we have everybody who uses uh, GPS handhelds to something on their phone. I'm kind of the old guy of the group, and I, I still have the same maps from 20 years ago with all the things I've drawn mm -hmm. in. 
And right. Scout the first line on your website says mobile offline maps anytime. Some of the technology yep. I see was only online, which, as you know, with forestry background and a lifetime of birds, we're not in cell range usually. <laughs> we're out deep in the woods. And so explain to me how you came up with this idea. Um, the, I'll try to keep it short, but basically I mentioned about how I would show those gentlemen that were up north hunting from down south, uh, drawing on their maps. And then at one point, about a few years later, I got injured and I wasn't able to go out and run, you know, logging crews or cruise timber and that. And I had to fall back on a idea I had, which was to produce maps. The first maps I made were printed maps. Then I added uh, GPS maps at that time to it, but all with the idea that it shows where the cuts are, shows the habitat range of basically 8 to 16, and you would also have the information of the habitat that surrounds the particular cuts this way that you can easily plan out your day. I mean, you need to have conifers when it's wet. Conifers will also show you where these birds are nine times out of ten wanting to escape to, your tag alder runs, your upland areas, uh, and all that information so you can plan your hunts. Um, that is all. Basically, I came up with the whole concept because of dealing with people and seeing what wasn't there. Oh, I wonder if it was me and my brother, uh, my co our co-host here, that you ran into with our maps on the hood. <laughs> you probably <laughs> like the ask, hey, where do we go? <laughs> yeah, how do we get out of here? We're lost. Um, yeah, yeah it, it seems like a great service. Tell us how to, tell the listeners how to find Scout and Hunt. Um, it would be www.mobilehuntingmaps.com. The offline part is you were asking about that quickly. Basically, it takes the whole state of Michigan, and it has all your layers there. They're there 24-7, no self-service or anything. You, when you're in Internet range, you can bring your – you have a choice of base maps. You can bring the base map, which would be like an imagery or a topographical type of a base map, in under it. And you it caches that base map as you're studying it, say, at the house or the home. Um, but otherwise, it's got your roads, it's got your trails, it's got your public lands, and then it's got all the habitat. It's got the hydrology. It's got the wetlands. It's got the uh, – map names, map features, county, all that information is there. All you're doing is bringing in under that, think of a multiple layer cake, you're just bringing in, when you have internet, you bring the, like the imagery in underneath it. And it will cache up on five gigabyte on your phone. I'm sorry, this is Matt, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but there's more than Michigan, right? You have Wisconsin, you have everything oh, yeah. or just, okay. Yeah, because we do got many, well, I'll run through it quick. You got Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan. You've got parts of Tennessee, parts of West Virginia, parts of Virginia, PA, parts of New York, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont. You have the some of the western states, which you know what I do is as that information comes in from the states for the walk-ins area. There's North Dakota, South Dakota, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa. Those are all done as well. So. You've been busy. Yeah, it keeps um, me busy. Yeah. 
Well, this works for a, a smartphone, like an iPhone or an Android device as well? Yep. Okay. It'll do both. Then, yeah, I, iOS and Android. It'll also work on your PC. It does not work on a Mac, like a okay. MacBook, you know, but right. it, it'll definitely work on this. Uh, biggest thing is, I mean, your phone needs, it can't be something that's six, seven years old. Um, it's not based off of memory. It's based off of processing power. And an example here is that you're not just dealing with, like, a lot of the other mapping companies. You might have 12 layers on there. Michigan, I think, is close to 30 layers. Some of my uh, maps out west have over 45 layers on there. Uh, it's a oh. tremendous amount of data that's being brought in. That's interesting. You, you must have inadvertently picked up a master's degree in cartography. Yeah, I just – that's a lot of information. That's awesome. Well, it's – if you set yourself back a little bit, and when you love, and basically, you know, this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the UP um, of Michigan. Because I grew up in New Buffalo, Michigan. So every time, you know, and we eventually went to, I thought, you know, I, I would started my life with hunting and everything with my parents around the Baldwin and Wahalo and Custer area. But then I went to school up at Tech, and I thought I died and went to heaven. Um, you know, and... It was nothing. I had a, a Yamaha 400. And I don't know. I had my case with my gun in it strapped to the back of it so I could go grouse hunting. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I just loved it up there. I mean, I was all over the place with this thing and doing that until the snow flew. And, of course, then I wasn't on it. <laughs> but, right. I mean, I, I just, if it wasn't for the UP and being up there, this, wouldn't have come happened, and it wasn't if it wasn't for the guys asking where are the clear cuts. And then as I started hunting, I'm thinking, well, I need to know where the pines are. I need to know this. I need to know that. And I'm thinking, if I need to know this, someone else needs to know it. You know, right? Well, and as you get older, as a grouse hunter, you you know, when we were young, we could walk eight or twelve, ten miles a day and cover yeah. ground. But as you get older and your legs get aren't as strong, you really want a great tool, and I think scouting hunt is a great tool. Um, I'm sure we'll be on it this year. Is to narrow the walking down, saying where is the best cover? You know, are the birds on the berries? Are the birds in the tag holders? And so it just it just makes it a smarter endeavor and eliminates a lot of the effort that we don't have at our age anymore. So I think it's a great great tool. Well, and I think if you're 20 hours away. And you've waited for that one week, and if you're lucky, two weeks, to come up to hunt. It's everything because exactly. most of the time, yeah, you don't ha you weren't able to put the dogs on birds like you want to, and life is not right. slowing down. Well, and we, we kind of went the opposite way. You, we were raised in the eastern UP, but we're, we're down near where you grew up now. We're down in the Kalamazoo area, and yep. uh, we know we go up to hunt. Um, it's really interesting when new people come into the camp, they, you know, hey, let's make a big breakfast. No, we're, we're going now, you know, because you yeah. wait all year for those four or five days, as you said, Ann. This makes us more productive. It makes us smarter. I think it's a great tool. And 
we look forward to using it this year. If we, if you don't mind, let's segue over to dogs. I'm going to turn this over to my brother, Matt, my co-host and engineer here. And uh, he knows more about dogs than I do. Would you mind talking about dogs for just a little while? Yeah, love dogs. <laughs> yeah, this is Matt. I'm on my fourth bird dog, and uh, I've only had English setters or Llewellyns. Um, my mm-hmm. current dog, she's actually out of a breeder um, in Alabama. Um, mm-hmm. Very good dog. Fortunately, my wife spoiled her just a little bit. But she loves the point and flush. Um, could you just tell me what kind of – oh, there's one of your dogs. Can you just tell me about uh, yeah. what kind of dogs that you uh, raised there? And you have any yeah, how are you doing that? I'm going to make sure this one doesn't bark at something he shouldn't. I think he heard you, and that's what he barked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we both grinned at each other, and we both grinned at each other because the dog sounds in the background just make the podcast, you understand. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Can you be quiet for a moment? I think he wants to get two words and two wolves in the side. But what I did is I basically looked at what I was starting to do when I used to do a lot, a lot of guiding here in Wisconsin. And I started out with L. Hugh English Pointers, and that was like trying to keep a Ferrari in a box at times. Um, yeah, I mean, I made it happen. But I always wanted my hunts for the dogs, for the hunt to unfold in front of the hunter. I didn't want to chase the GPS. Now, everyone has their own style. My style developed this way because, not because I couldn't go through the woods. I mean, I used to timber cruise a lot. But it's basically, what am I doing for my clients? And the excitement to me, at least of a hunt, was watching the dog work watching that double back when they hit that scent and then basically working off of that first contact, which a lot of people like to call false points, but it really isn't. It gives you a heads up, hey, guys, there's something here. You know, I think you want to know about it. And so that led me, you know, a long story into the setter line. And the setter line, as I looked over the genetics, and I looked over our gene pool here in the States and looked at the line I had, actually I was given, um, that line 30 years ago had some of the strawberry red bracken in it from over in England. A long story short, that led me to start researching bloodlines over there. And next thing you know, I've, I've brought in about 10 different bloodlines. Oh, between, okay. Yeah, between England and France and some in Italy. And these are mostly English setters, English pointers? No, they're all English setters. They're all English setters of the, the setter line, right? Yep, they're all English setters. Okay. Um, now, do you take orders for puppies? Uh, I mean, just tell us a little bit about your kennel and, and what's involved in that. Okay. Let me turn the air conditioning off. Basically, I sell some pups. Um, if I have a litter, let's say there's eight in that litter, half of them, if not just a little bit more, will be leaving as started pups. And I, I prefer to train at least half of every litter uh, because then I know exactly what's going on with every single litter. And then the other half I'll sell to 
you know, the rest of them out as pups, and they go out as, you know, go to their owners, and then I try to work with the owners to make sure that every single dog is being trained. I won't sell where the pups are going to be living their lives in a kennel. That's just right. me. Yeah, um, I don't Yep. I want them with the house, part of the family, and living a happy life for the rest of their life. Um, and like I said, it's important for me with my bloodlines and what I've invested in this, which has been a considerable amount, uh, to train these litters. You know, that's why I know exactly their strong suits and where I might need to make a little change or tweak in the breeding. Um, but so far, I I wouldn't change one bit what I brought in. If they're good enough to guide with, they'll be good enough for anyone else that likes my style of hunting. And that um, they can run big if you, you know, if you let them. But for the most part, these guys are pretty consistent to stay within a range, and that range is usually between half and full gun range. They quarter. That's what every grouse hunter dreams about. Usually, everybody's different, like you said. Um, yeah. And that's the big differences in this line versus a normal English setter, or even um, like well, my well, I think what you're going to see between a U.S. line and a European and a U.K. line is a comfortable, not so much pushing it, but you do. I train heavier with working on less scent when I train because I want them to work off of that less scent because when the grouse runs, it doesn't leave much behind as far as yeah. scent. And so I work on less scent, but then what these guys can do, um, a lot of guys, when a, when the dog goes on point, they expect the dog to stay there. Whoa, why they go out and stomp around all over in front of it. And we're not doing a quail shoot. Um, I believe in teamwork with you and the dog. I want the dog to work the scent, whether it's creeping, crawling, slinking, whatever. I love to see that. Um, I want the dog to be able to um, move forward, stop, and be very in tune to where you are at and where he's at. And basically, when you finally hit where the dog locks up really good, then when that scent starts to wane, what the difference is is that if you will allow the dog to, he will look at you, look back at the scent, shifting his eyes a little bit. And for most grouse hunters, they're saying, well, obviously the bird's moving. So a lot of the grouse hunters go out forward to see if they can block or something. I want my dogs to block. I want them to go out and around and block. And these dogs have it in their bloodlines. Wow, that's amazing. I was trying to but think that my, I know my dog will not do that. So that would be a major advantage of using a bloodline like that. Yeah, because we're not dealing with birds that are sitting. We're training. We're literally supposed to, we need to be training for birds that move. And if you're training for birds that move, Handling a sitting bird is nothing. You know. Right. Yeah. So you tra you train for the toughest. You train for less scent. You train for a moving bird, and then everything else is a piece of cake. 
that's a very interesting thing. And I, this is Kevin. I'm back. Uh, I was here the whole time. I was just listening to you and Matt talk about dogs. Uh, you know, I noticed I missed your last name. Jandernoff. J-A-N-D-E-R-N-O-A. Okay. Uh, and uh, we uh, mentioned the uh, scouting hunt. Uh, do you have a kennel name? Northwind English Fetters. Okay. We're trying to give you the shameless plug here, and and I'm sorry. No, oh, that's I, I okay. That's okay. Not a problem. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Northland Setters is, is the dog yeah. kennel. And, yeah, uh, did, did you catch it? Northwind, N-O-R-T-H-W-I-N-D? Northwind, exactly. Yep. And yep. Uh, scouting hunts the maps. I think you got a very captive audience here. My brother's just told me he's looking to replace one of his old dogs, so you may have an audience. <laughs> but, uh, we're, we're both very interested in scouting hunt this year. We uh, we grew up sharp tail hunting, migrated over to rough grouse, and do both now. So we'll be very cool. interested in what the maps can do to help us this year. Because frankly, and we've gotten to the age that we don't do ten miles a day anymore, so we'd like to be a little more productive. But uh, we we call our audience the Covey. And oh, I, uh, yeah, 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 it's something I just came up with. But we, we want to uh, welcome you into the Covey. We hope to have you on again. And uh, you, you're fun. welcome. Uh, one of our listeners, Chuck from Wisconsin, uh, recommended you to us. So, and, and had some other good topics to talk about. So, uh, we'd like to have you on again at some point and uh, welcome you to the Covey. And hopefully, we can talk to you further about the kennel and the scouting hunt. Uh, Northwind Kennels, and uh, any uh, lasting things? What's your insight on the season this year? Do you think we're going to have a lot of birds? It's going to be wherever you're uh, – if you look at the precipitation analysis on, uh, you know, I, I, if you go to my Facebook page, I've got on multiple months of precipitation analysis, so you can look at where um, there's been high concentrations of rain from, you know, like May, June, July, and I've got – I'm going to – I mean, post-August as well, so you can look at all that. I think in areas that haven't been hit repeatedly every month, we'll have a, maybe not as good of an area, but if you look at the areas that have been missing some of those major rainfalls, I think, you know, there's areas definitely out there that, you know, are going to be better than others. But I think in some of those areas where it's going to be better than others, it's going to be really good. Excellent. That's a great forecast. Well, thanks, Ann, and we appreciate it and appreciate all the time and uh, look forward to talking to you again, maybe during season or slightly after, to find out what what has changed and what other insights you have. You're a wealth of information, and we do appreciate your time here at BirdCamp. Not a problem. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Ann. That was a great interview. Uh, we'd like to reiterate what her website is for the for the hunting maps, which we think are really cool. It's mobilehuntingmaps.com. So just go after mobilehuntingmaps.com. When she was talking about Northwind Kennels and her dogs, uh, that's a pretty easy one. It's Northwind, northwindkennels.com, I believe. So Yeah, that was great. In fact, um... I'm going to get that mapping uh, program, at least for Michigan, and I'll let all our listeners know how that works out. I'm actually going to put it on my phone and possibly um, on our podcast iPad here. and uh, We can start using that in the field. And um, She said she would uh, be glad to help us out. 
to get that working for me so I'll give you guys some feedback on how I like that compared to another or any other paper or electronic type known mapping software that has been previously mentioned on this podcast that I won't say because we're totally promoting and software because it's just a lot more awesome sounding yeah and well and you know as as was said in the interview we, we need to be more productive and save steps so we want to know have a better percent chance of finding birds without walking six miles so. right right and I think the other electronic software is more set up for deer hunting honestly and I wouldn't say it's bad, but it doesn't really fit. So yeah. we'll give you some feedback on that. I'm sure it'll be positive. And as we uh, come to the conclusion of this show, some exciting news. In the next episode or two, we will be on location. And any bird hunter doesn't have to ask. As I explained earlier, the box is packed. The guns are ready to go. Right now is the preparation for getting ready for bird camp. We're going to be doing remotes from bird camp and talking to some of our hunting party and maybe talking to some other guests and we look forward to that very much so yeah we're going to try to uh, do a podcast recorded on location and on disclosed location so if you see some guys sitting around a campfire some microphones and um, podcast gear don't be afraid to come up and uh, talk to us but we won't tell you where we're at. You have to find us. It's a grouse hunting thing. It's the <laughs> That's right. Where are you going to be on location? In Michigan. That's it. <laughs> so so uh, thanks for listening. But we want to tell you guys um, we're growing in our covey. Covey. I have trouble saying that word. That's a terrible word. But our covey is slowly growing. And we'd like to get the word out. Um, we did create um, some stickers. Um, you can get those through Patreon. Or if you just want one. We'll be happy to, uh, if you promise to put that on the back of your SUV or truck, just to spread the uh, word of this podcast, we'd appreciate it. It just says uh, Bird Camp Podcast with a cool campfire and um, a couple shotguns. Um, we just would really like to get the uh, word out about our podcast so we can start uh, promoting the sport. This is just something we love to do. We're not making any money doing it. So uh, if you guys enjoy this, just spread the word and uh, give us some feedback on some uh, future topics. And uh, we are really looking forward to get out in the woods and uh, sit around the campfire after a long day's hunt. And um, we'll uh, get some, uh, hopefully live at the hunt or bird <laughs> live at the bird camp is what we'll call it. Maybe there'll be some storytelling in there. I'm sure we have a stumble and fall story that came to us beyond the one we've already told. Uh, but that's what we really like to hear, some of your short stories, and just tell us funny things. And maybe this is about preparation or going to bird camp and how you prepare. And just keep that feedback coming because that opens up those topics and makes it interesting and uh, a good good podcast, frankly. All right. Well, that's us. That's it for today. We'll uh, come to you live from bird camp next time. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Bird Camp Podcast. If you'd like to get a hold of us, check out our website, www.birdcamp.net. Also, our email is linked through there. Our email is mi.birdcamp at gmail.com. We also have a new Patreon site to help us with the support of running a podcast. We would appreciate any support. That's at www.patreon.com forward slash birdcamp. We have different donation levels set up as little as $3 a month. $5 a month will get you a 
Bird Camp sticker and $15 a month, which will give you a sticker as well as a gun cleaning towel with the Bird Camp logo. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time at Bird Camp.